The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here with another one of our post-draft shows, and we just recorded a show on winners and losers on offense that I hope you listened to yesterday. Today, we're going to be talking about defensive winners and losers from the draft, and here to talk to me about it again is Jordan Coe. Jordan, how are you doing? Good, Ken. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Always, always glad to be here. It's so much of a pleasure always to talk football with you, Jordan. And uh, uh, first, tell people where, what your uh, Twitter handle is, just so they have it at the beginning of the show. Yep, I'm at Raven Sit Room. You guys can find me there. All right, outstanding. So we talked about the offensive winners and losers. Very spirited conversation. We included the special teams on that, so we had quite a long list. I don't know if we'll be quite as long on the defense, but it's still an interesting and textured list into into what's happened here. So let's go ahead and talk about it, and, and we'll do the same format we did last time, where you name one, and then I'll name one, and we'll kind of talk about each other's. Yeah, I mean, I think the easy, I keep taking the easy ones. I think the first one right off the bat is Chuck Clark, um, you know, and, and obviously for his position as a leader on this team, for his contract, for, you know, 
his expectations when, you know, you, you got to feel for any guy that signs a team friendly deal to begin with. Um, and you can argue whether or not he would have gotten a better market if he would have, you know, mm-hmm. gone to full free agency level or not. Um, but he it did seem like he was taking a team friendly deal does did really seem to like to be here and does seem pretty offended that the Ravens drafted a guy right into the same position that he plays. Um, so so it seems to me like he's he's probably the clear loser here, um, you know, as a result of this Ravens draft. Well, I, I, I'm not as negative on on how Clark is the loser. I think, honestly, I assume he'll be with the Ravens this year. I may be wrong in that assumption. We've, you know, certainly there's been since some cryptic stuff tweeted recently, and we've had podcasts to discuss, you know, what would make sense in terms of a trade. I keep coming back to the point that I think Clark carrying the green dot for this year makes all the sense in the world. I don't, I don't see them giving it away. And once you have the green dot, that means you're playing every single snap. There is no turning around from that. They'd have to give the green dot to somebody else to cut into his snaps. And I, I just, I don't see them giving it to Hamilton this year. I think there is a question about his future and and more it's more not about 2023 because i don't know if either side is really worried about whether chuck clark plays last year his contract or whether he's off and and playing somewhere else clark may may relish the opportunity to to go for a multi-year deal somewhere else uh the ravens may really want him to play one more year he he, he could still have trade value at that point there's you know there's there's a lot of things that, that come into play but i think that that the Ravens may not want to commit to multiple years of three safety looks uh, when they have a perhaps a temporary problem at inside linebacker. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there is a really interesting question of whether or not Chuck Clark can take some meaningful inside linebacker-ish type snaps, right? And like being that kind of like big nickel or I mean, big dime, I mean, whatever you want to call it, right, where where he can play in some of that role. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, th- there have been – there were calls for many years where the uh, – and by Ravens fans, maybe it was just me and Gabe, but <laughs> by some of us that, like, that uh, Tyus Bowser was a guy that should have gotten a look, gotten some looks at inside linebacker because he had the instincts and the athleticism for it, and there was such a need, um, you know, at that position. So – if Josh Bynes is not a guy, if he gets hurt or like just whatever, something just happens, right? Old man, winner, finally, you know, time finally catches up with Bynes. Um, Clark is a guy that should be able to step into that role and give you a little more pass defense versatility out of that position than you were going to get out of certainly Malik Harrison, certainly what we've seen so far of Patrick Queen and right. potentially others. So. I feel like I have to explain the, the defensive positions here. So I'm going to do this briefly for the crowd, even though I know you know these, Jordan. But um, the, the dime back, uh, as I term the position, and other people may term it differently, replaces the weak side linebacker typically. And there are cases where teams have played a 32 dimes. So it doesn't always work that way. But effectively, in the, in the standard 41 dime or 5-0 dime, is going to replace the weak side linebacker on the field. So he specifically is going to replace – Queen or Harrison or potentially uh, Christian Welch in that spot, uh, but but it's not he's not going to replace the Mike linebacker unless they take the Mike linebacker off for other reasons, and they can do it. I'll get to that in a second. The other position, Clark, by the way, has played that dime role at the highest level of any Raven in 2019. That's really saying a lot because the year before there was an unbelievable year from the dime back Anthony Levine that Clark managed to hurdle with more playing time in that 2019 season. So he's already played that at a very high level. No, no question in my mind he can jump into there. That's not 
a ton of snaps by itself. I mean, the highest it's ever been in Ravens history has been 42.2% diamond quarter that the Ravens have played. So that alone is not enough for him. Now, you mentioned big nickel also is a possibility. Big nickel is when you play opposite a slot receiver. It's usually a larger slot receiver, like a um, a bigger, slower uh, guy. It might be 6'4", six, 6'5", six, like Kelvin Benjamin was a guy that would fit into this category. Mike Evans probably fits into this category when he plays in the slot. Uh, I, I, or... Uh, more commonly, it's against 12 personnel with one flex tight end uh, that you get this big nickel look. So anyway, laying, laying that out, I, the reason I'm doing that is because Chuck Clark has multiple ways to increase his importance in these other packages. And don't kid yourself, he's going to be on the field for every play. So this is really a question of how much Hamilton gets to play is, is these opportunities. And so the only time you really don't end up, I think, with Hamilton on the plane is when you have two inside linebackers on the field and you're also, I guess, is that is it just that simple? Is it two inside linebackers on the field does it by itself? That forces you not to have a third safety. Yeah. I guess that's true. Or, or if you went into like a, I guess if you were in like a two, four, five, you could have two inside linebackers in like a big nickel situation. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Of course, that's big nickel. That's that. That would be the one. So you're you're in. That's a that's a very standard nickel defense. Other than the the, the big right. part, which is which is the non-standard. Yeah. I don't know why I, I, I suddenly lose this in my mind, but of course well, the Ravens play a lot of three three five out of nickel anyway. So like hmm. sometimes as well. So I mean, it, it just it depends on. Yeah, the Ravens are super variable in their look, so it makes it harder to identify too. Yeah, we don't know how much of that is wink. In all honesty, so so you know, Mike McDonald uh, may come in with a different viewpoint on playing that what I call the jumbo nickel, which is the three three five nickel you're talking about. Is is you put one inside linebacker standing, you have three defensive linemen, you have two outside linebackers, and that still gives you a nickel look outside that. You could, of course, if if another team was playing twelve personnel and you wanted to make sure you lined up properly, a, a big nickel look with the nickel that goes with that jumbo nickel would make a lot of sense. If we haven't confused everybody yet, Ken, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to make a plug here, and, and I don't always do this in show, but take a look at the a video get did after the 2019 season. It's called "What's That Defense," and it really explains all the individual roles in this. It explains what big nickel is, and it explains with pictures so you can understand it, you can identify it from the, your seat. That was the goal with that video, and I thought about redoing it some, and maybe it's maybe it's about time, but I'm going to wait now until after McDonald is in for a season to see if there are any new wrinkles to this. Yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see where, where who does get those snaps at safety. And, you know, I don't know who else would have gotten the dot at rookie minicamp, right? So I don't think that we should be reading overly into this, but it was Kyle Hamilton was the guy that got it. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that can't help Chuck Clark sleep at night. If, you know, he's he's if he's already worried about it to begin with, that can't make him feel better. I, I would agree. I, and, uh, and you know, Geno Stone was the guy who got the green dot when Clark missed time this last year but if if uh um i'm sorry if uh, clark was injured this year then i think it would clearly be hamilton would would get the green dot because the, the ravens do not give it to a free safety and with their current set of inside linebackers there's nobody they want on the field every down so they, they wouldn't want to give it to a patrick queen uh, and 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 commit to 100 percent snaps from him yeah no i i totally agree and i you know i i think talking about geno stone i, I mean talking about the safeties in general those are that's the that's the true root of the 
for a, a, a position group that felt like it already had decent enough depth before the draft to take the, you know, ho- hopefully what is going to be an intergenerational talent at safety then, um, the cascading effect all the way downstream for all the rest of those safeties makes it more difficult. So, you know, Geno Stone and Tony Jefferson were the, the, the next two guys on my list. And I think it'll be interesting to see if Tony Jefferson even ends up making the roster now. If Chuck Clark stays, I think it's going to make it much more difficult for Tony Jefferson to actually make this team. Um, but I think Geno Stone is only going to see the field on special teams and if there's an injury now. I, I would agree with both of the comments about Stone that it's it's probably going to be special teams if there's an injury. Uh, Jefferson, I'm actually more sanguine about. I, I think he makes the team. I think that uh, Brandon Stevens' time as a safety is done. I think he'll be moving either to slot corner or to outside corner, perhaps. I think actually could do the do the team more good there. Um, but if if they how he could do the team a lot of good is if he's the backup slot corner. And we have Ardarius Washington as the starter. And then Humphrey is free and clear to play on the outside for the whole year. That would really make me a happy man. Well, or to Marion Williams, you know, if in time Washington either can't handle the spot, which we haven't seen that. I, I don't say that being the case. But to Marion Williams being able to come in and take some of those snaps as well. Sure. I would also – I would be a full in full support of the Ravens going and bringing Nigel Warrior back, a guy that was just recently cut by Seattle – so he's back out there. They could get him for the veteran minimum. So, I mean, adding two corners takes a lot of – there's not a lot of spots in the secondary left over. Um, but he was a guy that I thought handled the slot corner, at least in training camp, pretty well um, when we were looking at it before as well. So, But that a, a room that felt like it was – there was a lot of space that if, if you were a guy trying to make this – if I was picking a position group before the draft of the Ravens where I was like, this is the position that I want to be – a group that I want to be in that I think I have a good shot of making the roster – like somewhere in the secondary was where I'd want to have been. Right. Um, now that the draft is over, I, I would have the total opposite take. It feels like that. I, it feels like there are not enough helmets there for guys that are, that are trying to make this team now. Yeah. I, I, I it's, it's more tight. There's no doubt about it. The, the, the issue is that the, the first line of defense, the first guys who are up on the outside are great. The first three safeties are very good. You know, no, 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 harm there and the 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 next two safeties are fine after the after the that the corners are just not very exciting i mean they're they're it's it's a bunch of guys you know nate jackson is still on the roster and they, they some of these guys are just size guys tolliver is another guy who's six two uh you know they have uh um Iman Kayvon, Kayvon seymour is still around am i marshall you know i keep forgetting he's on the roster now i mean there's no way he, he, he could he's gonna uh he's actually on my on my list of, of players but all those four guys i think all moved down a rung at least by the double dipping at corner we know that you don't use a fourth round draft pick on anyone when you when you and then cut them ravens just is not their way I, I we have seen other teams do it but uh but i don't see it with them so I, I just I don't see I don't see a win for any of those guys. So my four guys were Jackson, Marshall, Seymour, and Tolliver. Uh, I think are all guys who have a, a kind of a practice squad uh, ceiling on on what will happen to them this year. And, and Amon Marshall, I mean, he's been hurt for three years now. He's in the fourth year of his rookie deal. I think he's almost certainly going to be cut. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to imagine how he finds his way onto the roster and how he's you know healthy or reasonable enough, but. Um, just another guy out there. Ardarius Washington, I think, is one of the probably the more interesting name of that entire bunch because his ability to kind of just like take take and handle that corner slot and their need their need to have somebody that can do that now that Tavon is gone. Um, 
and the need to have that because the way the NFL is structured these days, I think he's going to get a real shot at that position. Um, and, and I think you're, you're right. And it's good to have Brandon Stevens be able to, it's, I, I felt like Brandon Stevens problem at some point last year became that the Ravens were asking him to do way more than he was ready to handle at the NFL right. level. Like, like narrow his, like narrow his role, let him do the things that you know that he can do well. Don't be asking him to do too much. They were, they were asking him to blitz and make reads and do all these things that he just, it was clear he wasn't ready for last year. Yeah, I mean, if you don't want him blitzing or making reads, then he needs to play outside corner. If, if you can trust him to play slot corner, do the things, I don't really think he has the change of direction skills for that. He's certainly done it in college, but it doesn't mean that's a, it's an optimal solution for the team. Ardarius Washington seems more built for the position. Frankly, Williams seems more built for the position as well. So uh, the Ravens may not may be at a point where they can they can say, hey, you're an outside corner here. And move on with that. I, obviously, he does bring a versatility that if they got to midseason, they had a couple injuries at safety, and they're trying to field four safety packages still. They could still find a way to do it with him. Yeah, absolutely. He's and and you like these gritty undrafted guys, like you know, they're I, they're the type of guys you want doing that kind of dirty work, filling in those like kind of like needing to like fill in an emergency and in a pinch and like coming up and like kind of those kind of moments. I, I, I like to see guys like that get those kind of opportunities. Are we, are we, t- we were still talking about Stevens there. He's, he was oh, sorry. He's an overdrafted guy. <laughs> sorry, I thought we were talking about our Darius Washington for a second. No, there. no, no, that's, Oh, that's perfectly fine. Yes, absolutely. And I, I actually have our Darius Washington on my winner's list. So, uh, for the, for that exact reason, but it's fine to talk about him here. He makes a lot of sense to that. Uh, you know, the other side of this, he's, he's he should get a really good chance this year, I think. So I, I've got, I've only got one more other loser on my list here, Ken. Okay, I got well. I got one more corner. Can I do okay, him? Go first? ahead. Yeah, of course. So, uh, I I don't. I, I'm I'm not sure exactly why I wrote this at the time because Marlon Humphrey, if he is forced into playing slot corner, I think it would be a loss for the team. Um, and and they haven't they haven't gone and picked up a vet at, at slot corner, which is certainly a possibility still. Uh, with all of the total helmets they have it seems like the kind of vet I'd like them to pick up would be a guy who's not sure to make the team. A vet men guy who is the, is the, is the you know, a, puts a floor on what the position could be. Yeah, it, I, I totally agree. If, if I had a choice on who that guy would be, for me, it'd be A.J. Boyer, who is a guy mm-hmm. that can play inside and outside, or Chris Harris. Both guys that have, have played both inside and outside, but are on the wrong side of their careers overall. Um, you know, have that kind of gym. Like they're probably not going to play for the vet minimum outright, but you're probably not going to have to play, pay them a lot to come here to be on a team where you're not going to be asked to be the main guy for any reason. And you're going to be in a serious consideration for, you know, playoffs and a, and a serious deep playoff run. You know, I, I think both of them could be potentially wooed to join this team. Well, Chris Harris, you know, I, one of the best cornerbacks in football at one point in his career, but that was about six years ago. He's uh, still a pro bowler in 2018. And he's bounced around the league between Denver and the L.A. Chargers the last three years uh, and then not uh, not played as much. Honestly, he was a pretty much an Iron Man early in his career. Later in his career, he's had some some injury problems that have kept him out, obviously. But that'd be a, I, I love the idea of uh, of Chris Harris coming in and working with some of the younger guys. You know what? They never want to do that. They want to compete. You know, it's, it's silly to map that onto them to, to make everybody at Adjusted Houston or hope that Pramel McPhee is going to teach what he knows to every other pass rusher just because it's not the way life works. 
Maybe Ryan Tannehill can come in and help. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was it, was it, it was Tannehill, right. That said it, it wasn't Kirk yeah. Cousins. Not, I think it's, it's, it's not my, it's not my job to, yeah. to <laughs> he's not wrong, but anyways. Yes. <laughs> okay. So you've got one more loser. I'm guessing I know who it is. Can we, can we start on the defensive line first? Do you have anybody there? Oh, you know what? I, I have some defensive line guys that I have bunched together here that I kind of look past. Um, so I actually have more than one, but I have one outright loser that <laughs> that's not on the defensive line. So let's talk about them first. Okay, so um, defensive line first. Who do you got? Yeah, so I've I've got the like McKenzie, Mac, um, and Wolf group together, where like, I think that there just aren't going to be a lot of opportunities for these guys with you know with Pierce now coming in. Travis Jones, I think, is a, a, a tremendous addition, right? I think between what you can get from out of BK, Pierce, Campbell, and Jones, and Washington rotating through, as long as, you know, barring knock on wood, barring any major health issues, those five guys should be able to take a, a big majority of the snaps, I think, for this Ravens defensive line. Right. It does create like a new Monstars group to me to have uh, Pierce, Jones, and Campbell. I think they're they're in particular Pierce and Jones can play on the line together because Pierce really does have the versatility to play some three tech. And we've had some talk on other shows that he might actually be better there, that, that getting a one on one opportunity uh, against a guard may be a better place for him to really put his pass rush skills to work. And they, they moved Brandon Williams there. I think it actually hurt it. But for for with uh, with. Uh, Travis Jones, I think it, I think it might actually help. I think you know he'll he'll come in, he'll be very powerful right off the bat, and be able to get low, and he'll be able to uh, push some guys around. We hope at uh, at guard. Well, I read an interesting thing that Travis Jones played a really really high percentage yes. of snaps, um, you know, in his time during college. So you know, rotationally, he will play less in Baltimore. Uh, I, we either read it in the same place or you said it, and I'm repeating something that, that you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know there's an opportunity for him, as, as explosive as he was, considering the number of snaps that it looked like he played. I think there's a real opportunity there. I, I, I do want to point out, I was saying this about Travis Jones when we were looking at the defensive line. My immediate reaction is the guy's played 53 snaps a game as a senior. At an NFL workload, he's going to be in much better shape to maintain what he can do as a pass rusher. And then freaking Horowitz or Mike McDonald came in after me <laughs> and said the same thing. And now it looks like I'm copying them. Well, I was, hey, I, 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 was <laughs> I, I was trying to give you credit there. I, I appreciate it. I, I do appreciate it. I don't remember who it was on the Ravens who said it. And obviously they, they came to the same conclusion. I should feel good about myself for that. All right, let's move on to the, to, to who you, I, I'm sure we have the same player here. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's Malik Harrison. Um, oh, I, we have a different player. Unbelievably. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I just don't know where Malik Harrison fits in. I, I think my problem with Malik Harrison, when the Ravens drafted him, was that he wasn't flexible and loose enough in pass coverage that he's a tremendous guy in the hole and hitter. Like, I guess if you want to use him as the edge guy, that's going to stop the run on that side on like kind of like being that, that type of role, there's an opportunity, but we just saw him game in and game out when he was in pass defense situations, just get filthily abused um, on the regular, Um, you know, with Queens improvement with the extra safety, so with having Hamilton or Clark being able to take some of those opportunities away, I just don't know when Malik Harrison is going to find his way onto the field. Now, this is really interesting. And this is a glasses half empty, glasses half full. And I agree with you. It's, it's maybe hard to see it. But I think we're kind of already there with Malik Harrison. And by the way, Wolf, I, don't, I can't put him in the loser category because he didn't play this last year. And I don't see him playing this year. And he's earning a bunch of money. I don't know what, he, what opportunity he got taken away from. So that's... That was my, my kind of my point on him. But here's my glasses half full take on Malik Harrison. 
I think this is a this is an opportunity for him. He's not going to play the Will Backer spot. That Queen is going to suck up those snaps because there just aren't very many of them. But Malik Harrison, this might be his opportunity to move to the mic. And he, he other than the round they were drafted in, there's no reason why Malik Harrison was the Will and Queen was the Mike. Is exactly the the inappropriate switching of those two two players in terms of position. The other thing that they've talked about is is Harrison getting a chance at the outside linebacker. Now I don't really believe that. I don't really believe they're going to go through with that. But the, if any, if there's a place where the Ravens are short, at least to start the season with Noah Jabo, Noah Bowser, I mean, it's that outside linebacker. There is an opportunity for him to play well in camp and 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 be that guy. So I'm I'm more upper. I'm, I guess I, I feel better about that. I don't think Queen will ever return to Mike. That's my own position. I think that I think it it really should be Harrison. It should be Bynes, or it should be the next Mike they draft. But. I don't think it. I don't think it's going to be Queen again. I think that that experiment has failed. I don't think they're really looking to go back to it. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't see it. McDonald will be the big X factor here, right? And and was Wink asking the Mike to do too many things that like Queen couldn't handle? Will that role be reduced? Can Queen handle what that is like minimized or reduced to? I mean, I would love to see in the bigger picture of the defense overall, a lot more simplification. I mean, you have a lot, you have a a defense and even last year you had a defense before some of the injuries, you had a defense that had guys at many different positions that could have been successful. And that in a lot of ways you were doing so many different things with everybody all at the same time. You took away their ability to be successful in some of those situations. At least what we saw from McDonald at Michigan last year was that he simplified things and said, Hey, I'm going to let my best players go do their best thing. When we need to, we'll call big time like blitzes or we'll, we'll, we'll vary things up occasionally, but we're going to let our guys just go do their things and trust our, ourselves to do what they need to do. Unbelievable talent on that defense allowed him to, to play, say, Hey, try and stop our four. Because yeah. is the other way I would say that same thing with Ajabo and Hutchinson on opposite edges. I mean, that's a, a, an insult of riches in terms of, you know, having to, having to develop great scheme uh, around that. It makes it, makes it good. But by December of this year, you could be looking at a Matabike, Travis Jones, Ajabo, Owe, Rush. And Mm -hmm. if if they are, I mean, that's what Matabike does best. And if you let him get in some isolated one-on-one situations and all of them, that could be, I mean, what the the last time the Ravens had a really great front four was what? And that Dean Pease, like it was the like Nada, Willie Henry, Suggs, and Doomerville year, right? And like they would just let those four guys get after it, right? Um and so the Ravens fourteen they had they had Suggs, Doomerville, McPhee, and uh, uh, Redding. Corey Redding was still right. No, no, it wasn't Corey Redding. Who was the Price? guy? Was it Trevor Price? No, no, no. no it's uh, Arthur Jones. Arthur, Arthur Jones. Jones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to you know. I think there's some opportunities to to have four good pass rushers on the field by the time we get to December. Um, but yeah. I don't think I don't think a Jabo is going to get on the field before November. That would be my guess. I, I I would agree. I think I think you know being as as optimistic as I can. It's it's probably October for uh, Bowser and maybe December for Ajabo. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a shame because a year of development has been lost. But he didn't lose from the draft. He won. I, I can't. I think the other Ravens edge players end up being winners out of this. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll talk a little about a little bit of that as we, as we go forward to me, the other, the other loser at the inside linebacker position is Patrick queen. I think he clearly loses playing time on passing downs to Clark uh, that he would have had. Otherwise, I think it makes it very difficult for him to get his fifth year option um, uh, picked up. 
Uh, hopefully we see a totally different player. Hopefully I want to see the Patrick Queen who we all thought we were going to see, but more than that, I just want to see a dedicated, motivated Patrick Queen that is looking like he wants to run through every ball carrier and wrap up as he does it, that that has picked up some things positionally in this offseason in terms of how to cover, uh, that show up on first and second down when he's in there. That, that you know, I, I want to see a guy who wants to play football, and it's obvious from the very beginning that he really wants to play football on the field. And, uh, you know, it's, I, unfortunately, I... I I think he's going to get a limited snap count to do it. But if he were to were to suddenly take off, I don't see any reason why he'd be held back in any way, including taking away playing time from a, from a Clark or a Hamilton, even at that's at that will spot. I mean, he has the talent for all that. And we've seen it. I, I mean, his ability to make tackle for losses in big situations in when, when he, when he's diagnosed correctly, he can make amazing plays and has made amazing plays. And I, I am not as, I'm not as down on Patrick queen as I think a lot of other fans have been um, because some of that, some of those upside impact plays have been really big and in really big mm-hmm. moments. Um, so I want to see him get there too. I, I don't know that I would call, I mean, I think Patrick queen is his own worst enemy in, in this situation, right. Where, you know, like you just said, I, I don't think that the Ravens would – the Ravens would much rather prefer Patrick Queen be a three-down linebacker that they could just stick in the middle of the field and lead there all the time and don't need to switch in and switch out and do anything else around him. Um, and he's got the physical traits to be better than Chuck Clark, for example, um, sure. in some of those situations if he's got it. Probably, you know, he's not as lengthy – um, and he doesn't have the processing that Kyle Hamilton does. So, sure. you know, that you, you know, it, it is what it is there. But I agree with you. I think he, I agree with you in some senses. And in other senses, I think Patrick Queen is, you know, it's just if he can get it right in between the years, then the sky's the limit for that guy, which is why the Ravens drafted him in the first place. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they spent the 28th overall pick on on him. I mean, they, they never would have done so if they didn't expect a three-down linebacker. It, they paid the huge premium you pay for an inside linebacker who's going to play three downs. And by the way, the teams that have done that have gotten burned. They have gotten burned on it across the league. Jordan Brooks, uh, Patrick Queen has, has not worked out. Even the two Devons, who were drafted number five and number 10, have really been disappointing at this point. A white you know, a lot of things were said about it very positive when Tampa Bay was going to the Super Bowl, but he really hasn't played up to the up to the level of a, certainly a number five pick overall. And Devin Bush, they just didn't pick up his fifth year contract option. I mean, this is this is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They do the right thing with these things. And they said not worth it. Well, you know, the Ravens could have taken Isaiah Wilson instead, so they, they yeah. did all right. <laughs> they, they, they did all right in avoiding that minefield, if you're saying that, that, that Claymore. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about. It. I also had Ataro Alaka as being a player who has been gone for a while, but honestly, he's in the Wolf Group, a guy who was honestly probably never going to be able to get back on the field properly for the Ravens. So I think he'll be gone um, before this camp. Uh, I would expect. Let's talk about the the defensive side of the ball, though, uh, in terms of the winners. So who do you have? Yeah, I've got um, Adape Owe at the top of my list. I think that the Ravens are going to be asking a lot of him. So yep. by not double dipping in terms of pass rusher, obviously they tendered that contract to Houston. So we'll see what happens there. Regardless of any of that, it was clear that the Ravens said that they liked what they saw in him, that they liked the progress that he made during the year last year, that they thought that he could take a significant step forward. Because and if he can, or if he does, then then they'll be just fine <laughs> in terms of outside edge. You know, it's it's they've got a huge wager on Adafio. No, oh, no, no matter what, and and I hope it does not 
set him back at all in terms of developing a repertoire of pass rush moves. I don't think it should, but learning to play Sam linebacker, which is where he's going to start the year. I don't think Dalen Hayes is going to be an every down Sam. And even if you, even if he was a most downs Sam, he won't be an all down Sam, which means you have to have somebody else. And that's OA. way. Uh, I think he could really take a huge step forward in his career in terms of value, in terms of everything if he could learn to play that same spot. And this is exactly what I kind of had hoped for when Owe was drafted, that he'd be given a fairly limited set of abilities and, and excel in those. And I think we got that in his rookie year. I mean, he certainly you know, put on a lot of things. He, he got much faster off the snap. I don't think we've quite seen the bend there. So there may be limitations there, but um, had the quickness and they, and they put it to work in terms of being a two-gap stunner and, and doing some of the other things that, that you want, uh, being a good under player as well, which, which is something that really wasn't obvious, but with his length is something, you know, is, is reasonable to expect, but they, they still didn't ask very much of him in coverage. And uh, I, I think that's the next step for him is, you know, what can he provide on, on that? And it's, it's certainly something the Ravens have asked uh, outside linebackers to do in the past. And we'll see if McDonald asks outside linebackers to play as big a role in, in, in the future. Well, and, and in some ways the addition of Hamilton, if they're going to use him as that like Swiss army knife, extra player mm-hmm. on the field that you don't have to ask, a guy like OA to be doing quite as much or, or whoever you have in the same role, right. To be doing quite as much in pass rushes or in those situations, right. You can ask your front four, you can be like, look, we want you guys to go after and go get the passer. Right. right. Um, and, and I think OA is a perfect fit for one of those kind of guys. Yeah. The, the higher, the quality of your defensive backfield. And, and when I say that, I mean, all of your back seven, including the inside linebackers, very important. Uh, the higher your quality of your of your back seven, the more you can play a four man pass rush alone. And and I love the Ravens to turn into that kind of a team. The Cincinnati Bengals were that very successfully for for uh, you know a while in terms of of you know their, their consecutive division titles were largely based on that kind of a philosophy. I think that works in terms of, of creating a high turnover defense. I think the Ravens can be that. Um, if if they choose to use Hamilton uh, in in a role like that, where he's he's in in charge of creating turnovers instead of say creating pass rush, yeah, I totally agree. I, that would be and that would be to I think that would be to the Ravens' advantage to use him like that. So it's going to be interesting to see. All right, who else you got? Um, so I've got Josh Bynes as a winner. Um, yep, me too. I, I don't know how else. On the start, I mean, who else is going to get those snaps? You know, unless we see incredible, incredible improvement from Patrick Queen out of nowhere. Um, you know, and that developmentally, it could happen during camp. It could happen over the course of the year. But otherwise, I mean, Bynes has earned his spot. The Ravens are paying him a ton of respect by saying we're not going to like we're not trying to bring in all these other guys. We're not bringing in, mm-hmm. you know, six other veterans at the minimum and you're going to all fight it out. They're like, this is your spot. We trust you. Let's go. Yeah, they had a lot of mid-round options at inside linebacker that they could have taken, particularly in that fourth round. You know, they didn't have to take two tight ends. They could have taken an inside linebacker. There, there were guys available. There's, there's guys that they, they have at the end of the roster, like uh, Diego Fago, uh, who's, who's uh, you know, a possibility to stick an inside linebacker. Uh, but, but there were certainly options. And, and this draft was really chock full of three-slash-four round inside linebackers chad muma he might have gone a little bit earlier than that but he was in the group leo chanel was a guy i just loved and he ended up going right before or uh, i think it was right after the travis jones pick 
soon after that. But anyway, there are a lot of guys in there in that in that middle round area that the Ravens could have had at, at inside linebacker. They didn't they didn't choose any of them. So that's that is a compliment to to Josh and what he did uh, last year. And I think they're thinking they can they can use his veteran leadership, but also use him for two downs of football. Damn it! Yeah. So I, I, I totally agree. And he's the perfect fit. I'm, I'm glad they brought him back. <laughs> I, I, I just wish they brought him back in 2020. Is, Me too. Is, uh, kind of my, my feeling about it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go with another player. I think is a big winner. I think Marcus Peters is a huge winner from this. Um, they still have a big savings available from cutting him, but there is nothing that they did in that draft in terms of drafting a replacement corner, which they had, they had options early in the draft. They could have taken if they had taken McDuffie, that probably wouldn't have threatened him as much as, say, taking Kair Elam would have. And if they'd taken him, then I think Peter's spot might have been in, in more jeopardy. But Peter's now, not only did they not draft a cornerback, but they draft a safety who will probably create turnover opportunities for him. At the very least, they've become this deadly-looking cover three team, as I see it, if they move Hamilton up in any one of those shallow roles, whether it's four wide or three wide, and they're, they have a huge body, uh, that a quarterback has to throw over and take away lanes. I mean, Hamilton, deadly, instinctive, lengthy player in terms of uh, taking up tip radius uh, on one side or, or the other of the uh, of the passing lanes. Yeah, Marcus Peters was on my list as well. He's going to – I've never understood anybody's desire to cut Marcus Peters. I, like, I've loved him. I've loved the energy. I love all that he's brought to this team. The impact that he brings – to games in terms of interceptions and turnovers through his entire career has been significant. Um, I mean, he is definitely a polarizing player. He definitely does have two or three blown coverages a game where he, he's way out of position and those have been really bad from time to time. And that that's just like, that's what you're going to get with him. But I mean, over or under six interceptions for Marcus Peters this year, I, I would, I'd probably take the over. I, I think I'd, I think that the Ravens want more turnovers. They want to generate a more turnover-friendly defense in the secondary. That's why they went out and got Marcus Williams. And this really has nothing to do with the draft, actually. I mean, I guess Kyle Hamilton a little bit, but I think it's more yeah. Marcus Williams than anything. I mean, Peters is going to take – Williams' range is so exceptional that Peters is going to take some chances and get a couple more interceptions that he wouldn't have taken those chances the last few years. Yeah, that, that's it. But but it also that that impacts Hamilton or, or or is impacted by Hamilton if they're playing the two deep safety split because you have the opportunity to you know take this soccer goalie approach with one of your safeties. In fact, one of your safeties can do just about anything. Come down to the box and be a robber. He can he can take a soccer goalie approach to stopping a penalty kick and go to either side. And you can have either safety do that because they, they truly do have free safeties. And you're almost like transforming your defense into a single high look by having one guy gamble to take the top off of one side. Uh, I just, I love what they possibly could do with these guys. And I think there, there's, there's so much Marcus Peters has to be a beneficiary from this. And, you know, it, it could even be, could even be Marcus Peters can call it pre-snap and say, look, I'm seeing something. All of a sudden he's got a fist with two fingers down behind his, behind his, you know, right thigh, and Hamilton could see it. He goes, "Oh, that's my cue." <laughs> and uh, you know, Hamilton's a great reader, but you know, this can be done on field as well. Well, the two of them processing that quickly together. I mean, I always. What's interesting about the Kyle Hamilton drafting is that I always just kind of expected some kind of extension down the road for Marcus Peters that took his cap number down, but in inevitably moved him to free safety because I've always thought 
that his instincts and his range and just the way he plays eventually, like athletically, he was going to stop being corner, but he processes and sees everything in front of him. So yeah. well, that safety seemed like a good fit. Now the Ravens have, the Ravens have two new safeties for the next five years that are both really young, quite frankly. Um, Cause I think Williams is what 25 or 26. Um, and so, you know, what that means for Marcus Peters' career a little bit more long-term for the Ravens is, is more in question, but I think he's going to feast this year. He's going to have a big year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So, so he was my guy. Uh, who is, who's your next one? So my next one is a combination of Jalen Ferguson and Dalen Hayes. I think that they're going to get some reps early in the, some of those Sam situations. They're going to get you – know, Jalen Hayes was a guy that I kind of forgot about anyway as – you know, during the whole during the draft, when I was like, when are they going to take the next pass rusher after a job? And it just like never happened. And then was thinking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Dalen Hayes actually looked pretty solid in the preseason before he had gotten hurt. Um, was a guy that has good tape from college. Um, seemed to be a guy that the Ravens coaches really liked. And Jalen Ferguson set the edge much better this past year than, in, than we have seen in prior years. I think they're guys that can fill in. And if they want to carve roles for themselves out for the remainder of this year and you know, be able to soak up a few snaps down the road. Um, they're going to, they're going to get that chance for sure. Yeah. Hayes in, in particular, having the Sam linebacker capabilities that, that he apparently does is a guy that I would think they could lean on anywhere from a little to a very lot this year. I mean, obviously if anything happens to OA, uh, oh, I don't even want to think about it, but if anything happened, no way, a, a lot more would be required of Hayes because there just isn't anyone else. Uh, and, uh, even even a lot of things would be wrong. Obviously, if anything happened to Adafi Owe, but but uh, Hayes would be a guy who they would I, I think they would lean on pretty heavily. And I agree with you about Ferguson as well. I mean, Ferguson is a guy who makes a lot of sense as a two down outside linebacker for this team. A guy who can generate some pass rush. Uh, you, you know, more than that, there's probably Ferguson can get in a position where he can allow other players to do things off his rush. So if you want to try and rush Hamilton or or a slot corner or a inside linebacker even, and you want to rush him off Ferguson, you know, if Ferguson even is just an effective bull rusher could, could help a lot with that. He doesn't have to be the Ngakwe and able to fan people out and threaten them in, in both directions at once kind of thing. He can, he can, he can do it by himself. He just has to, he has to just know what his, his role is on a particular play to create an opportunity for somebody else instead of doing it himself. Yeah, totally agree. I think they're, they're both going to get chances to show what they got. All right. Who, who else do you have on your list? I've got three guys still left. And one of them we kind of talked about already, I think. Yeah, Brandon Stevens is a guy that I have as a winner on my list that I think he's going to see some of those outside opportunities that we had talked about a little bit. So I think that's probably one of your guys. Um, I actually already had him on the loser list. But again, this is a glass is half empty, glass is half full. I think it'll be positive for him to get a position whether that's outside corner, whether it's slot, wherever it might be. But my problem with the with the Stevens thing is I'm just not 100% sure where his opportunity will come. Yeah, that's true. But there are, I mean, at corner, there, there are always going to be opportunities. These guys aren't going to stay. They are going to stay healthy all year round. He's definitely going to have a role at some point during this year. Why do we have this defeatist attitude as Ravens fans? It's okay for other teams to keep their, <laughs> their players healthy, but there's there's no way. We have six corners. We you know we're gonna be down to two in December. Okay. We just yeah, but we're talking about the third <laughs> we're talking about the third outside corner, right? Like there I think go. everybody experiences a like no <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, even Ramsey missed a couple games last year, right? For the Rams. Or yeah, it's, it's, it's unusual you get through with both corners playing all sixteen games. Yeah. It's, it's it's interesting because early in in two thousand 
One of the things you notice if you look at the 2000 tape is that the Ravens corners, McAllister and Starks, do not approach the pile much on run plays. So they don't try and be good tacklers. And I know C-Mac had a reputation as being a, you know, a big physical corner who could help against the run. He was really useful there. Starks never had that reputation. He was a ball hawk all the way. But, but neither of them really approaches the pile. And, I, and they tiptoe towards any sort of a run play. And you see the Ravens front seven you know, smothering everything and holding the opponent to 2.7 yards per rush. And those guys just, they never got involved in the run plays. Yeah. I mean, Humphrey, that, I mean, that's part of, that's part of how Humphrey got hurt last year. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and he does so much in that regard and more physical than I think he gets credit for. So that's a good point. You got Who else you got? I'm sorry. That's I, 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 I kind of interrupt you on Steve. No, 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 that's it. That's the end of my list. I, I, I don't know okay. how you have anybody left on your list that we haven't talked about. <laughs> okay. So I, I still got two guys and, and we've kind of maybe talked about one, but Matt Abika, I think you mentioned, had some points about him. I, I think his, his passing down play at three tech is not really threatened by the, by any of the draft picks. I think that's good for him. Uh, he is not so great that the Ravens couldn't have found the next great penetrating three tech and said, okay, we need him instead of Matt Abike. And, and that that's a win for him in that sense. I think he's going to get a significant role in the Ravens pass rush this year, kind of a make or break year for him. Uh, he won't go into year four with his roster spot in jeopardy. I don't believe not unless his play devolves to a certain degree, but uh, uh, he is, you know, a lot of his future will be riding on what he does this year for the Ravens. I think last year, Peter King or one of the national writers had him as a very formulaic pick for their defensive dark horse for defensive player of the year. And it's, it's way off base, obviously, but from what we know about Matty Vique's play in, in 2021, but highly formulaic. And I'm, I'm guessing Peter King will pick Adafi Owe to be the dark horse for defensive player of the year this year. Cause plays on a good defense uh, or or defense that will will try and utilize what he does. He's a second-year player. Not everybody knows about it, but it's very formulaic the way he does it. Just go, okay, give me all the second-year players. Give me some guys who did something as a rookie. And, okay, these are my six guys. I'll take Owe. You know, it's just – it's it's like that. That's how it's done. But Owe will be the dark horse this year. (laughs) I like Matabike enough that – when he picked him as a the dark horse, though, I you know I do agree that for anybody that's not locally covering the team, you know they probably don't know anything about him. But right. he's still and he's still a little small in terms of being a three tech. But I do mm-hmm. think that he brings that pass rush edge, and that if if unlocked appropriately, and perhaps like McDonald is the right guy for that, right? Like figuring out how to unlock him as that pass rusher in those situations could really like he could be a really stat heavy sack guy. Um, you know, filler sacks almost even like less, less like high impact and more just like kind of clean up, like right place, right time, really good secondary behind him. So you're going to get that extra time to get after the quarterback kind of year. I just, I just realized something from earlier in the show that I feel the need to correct myself. It wasn't Arthur Jones. It was Tim Jernigan was the fourth guy on that that line. So anyway, they were, they were rushing the quarterback as well as anybody by the end of that year. That's for sure. Okay, so my last guy, Christian Welch. Uh, I don't think there's any chance he gets pushed off the roster at this point. Uh, he's an, and, he, and he was at risk. I mean, you know, nobody's spot is safe. If the Ravens drafted inside linebacker, Christian Welch is certainly, uh, uh, you know, at, at risk. But he's an inside linebacker with special teams value. I think he stays uh, very clearly in that role for this year. I think he'll, he, he may not get a particularly large number of defensive snaps. He got a, a couple opportunities to sub for Bynes by series this last year. And by the way, so did Joe Thomas 
and Malik Harrison did not. As part of his uh, community service, he was paying off for the uh, the incident that happened in Cleveland, apparently. But for whatever reason, he was not allowed back on the field. Uh, so anyway, it's it, Welch is a guy I don't expect to get the same kind of defensive opportunities unless something something bad happens, but a guy that, that has too much special teams value to cut. It'll be interesting to see who is on the Ravens special teams um, mm-hmm. this upcoming year. It seems like a lot of the guys that were historically around and been doing that are, are gone now, right? Like in any yeah. of like Boykin, who was only here for three years, but he was a big part of that when he was playing, you know, Levine. Um, yeah, like like all those guys and those guys could be back by camp time, right? Like the Ravens could like we could see a series of those guys in invited to camp. And then, you know, it, especially if the Ravens try and like play some games with the roster um, to start the year, seeing some of those guys be around for kind of depending on what those early game schedules are. But I, I think special teams is probably going to be one of the more areas of interest for me to be kind of keeping an eye on because it's not it is not clear from kind of who is currently on this set of the roster, like who those guys are going to look like. You know, that's a good problem to have. And the sure. reason I say that is the, the Ravens are now in a position where they don't have any real just obvious, just special teams guys on the roster. So, you know, people like Stevens and our Darius Washington, I mean, they'll, they'll go ahead and they'll play special teams. And, and uh, there'll be some, some of the receiving group. Tylen Wallace, I'm sure, will, will continue to play special teams and, and we'll see other players do that. Uh, I, I just... I like the fact that you don't have dedicated special teams guys because that was really, for instance, holding up the safety group the last year or two where they, they, they had trouble fielding three and four safety packages even when they might have wanted to because they had guys who were specialists in Levine and Richards that they didn't really want on the field defensively. Yeah, I, 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 completely, I completely agree with that sentiment. I, I felt like the Ravens made some decisions. I, I mean, even last year, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have kept Christian Welser on the roster over Nigel Warrior on kind of like that first go around, you know. Mm-hmm. So same I so Christian Welser is probably the one guy that I would say does strike me as a special teams only type guy. Not only, but like mm-hmm. predominantly, like eighty five percent of like his roster value is is tied up in special teams. You know, you look at a lot of these other guys on the roster, and I wouldn't. I, I, he's probably the one that sticks out to me the most. Yeah, that's that's a fair characterization of it. But I think it's also fair to say you're not. You're not going to be um, critically bothered if Christian Welch has to replace Josh Bynes for three games at the mic. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. And, so and whereas, yeah, yeah, I'm not upset that he was on the roster. I, it's you know just you know corner is the Raven. The, the secondary is the safety play improvement is going to make a huge difference. I think in the corner play and the depth at corner, you can have lesser guys when you. Like just if you can just have to go into it like a cover two high and you've got two really good safeties over the top of them, it just mm-hmm. makes those guys jobs so much easier at corner. You, you, you don't need as much talent from those guys. Yeah. I mean, honestly, all you need to do is show a regular willingness to drop a robber into the box, drop, drop your safety in where he's his role is to get an interception on the play to cover a route that he wasn't expected to cover. If you do that on a regular basis, you make the inside linebackers much better players by even if they just are statues actually standing on the field in terms of, <laughs> of what they're contributing. Yeah, no, I'm Mike. I mean, I think Greg Roman and Mike McDonald were both winners. I think the look, it doesn't hurt when you have 9,762 draft picks in the draft to be able to add (laughs) talent to your team, right? So, like, the Ravens added a lot of talent in the last few weeks, and um, guys that were in the right spots for these both these coordinators to, I think, really take advantage of it. And I think both those guys, as a result, are winners. 
Let me let me ask you one more question while you're here, because this is a, a kind of an ongoing debate I've been having with other folks online over the last month or so is basically, do the Ravens have room for 11 draft picks? And first of all, I do think all 11 will make the roster in some form. So, you know, they're they're. I, I don't say Beatty would be the one, but Beatty, they have an obvious role for and any of these fours. I'd be shocked if they didn't make the roster. Yeah, so, I, I would have to count. Um, I haven't counted yet, but I think the answer to that is, yeah, they all I, I definitely. I mean, I don't know who it, when you look at it, who wouldn't make the roster. Right. Like, sure. I guess I guess like likely. See, I told it's already <laughs> already rearing its head. Right. Uh, likely being the guy. That would most be likely. potentially the most at <laughs> most at risk, <laughs> right? Like they don't want to carry four tight ends. Like potentially that he he being at the highest risk, but I, I don't see any chance that they don't carry him. But I think that that all feeds into the point that I just made about the special teams iterations, where if if all these guys make the roster and they're not playing special teams, so like on the flip side, right? Like if Armor Davis and Williams don't aren't making the fifty three because they're not ready, like who like you know. Who are going to be your inactives? Who's going to play? How are you going to manage special teams? How are you going to make all that tick within kind of 50, within the 53? I'd have to, I haven't, I haven't done that analysis yet or, or really kind of looked at the roster like that in that regard up to this point. Well, there's, there's kind of two things that, that come into play when you're looking at the number of draft picks. One is, do you have any one for one replacements? And the, right. the big one is stout for cook. So they basically said, and, and, you know, if you want to look at number two and you want to say this is even a possibility, it might be Hamilton for Clark. I I don't, I wouldn't want want that to be the case, but that might be a one for one replacement. It's not just an additional player you're drafting at a position of needs. The Ravens, another one you want to look at is, is Lindebaum for Cologne. You know, basically I think they've, they've pretty much limited the chance of Cologne making the team uh, by by drafting Linderbaum, so you know they, they they had various replacement ones that they did. But the other thing that always is the big sorter of all roster depth is injuries in camp, and there are always some, and there will be some this year. We'll be unhappy about all of them, but but we'll be have to replace them out of the pool of talent they have now. And I hope the Ravens are are able to do that in the way they've always managed to do, at least in the past. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. It'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what direction it takes. Hopefully, knock on wood, the adjustments in what the Ravens have done with their kind of training program pays dividends. We see fewer injuries. I mean, last year, even even if you think the Ravens have been more injured than other teams, last year was still exceptionally fluky. ridiculous in yeah. terms of of where it's been for other Ravens years. So I don't think I don't put that on the Ravens and what they're doing. That being said, if any of their changes make any positive difference and we see fewer injuries than the typical norm, and, and maybe we just see that anyway, right? Regression, um, you know, to below average number of injuries. Um, the roster is going to get tight with these 11 picks for sure. The roster is definitely going to be tight. Yeah. Well, it'll, it, uh, um, I don't think it'll be any of these guys that'll, that's, uh, that's getting the hook. We'll, we'll see. It would be, uh, it'd be tough. Jordan, I, can't tell you how much I enjoyed. We just had you know two hours basically at talking football. Enjoyed the entire thing uh, between the offensive and defensive shows, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, it's never enough, but it's, it was a lot of fun. Oh, I, I'm always excited, and I you know I'm more excited now than uh, I usually am. Probably in May, this this Ravens team I think is going to be a really good one. It's going to be exciting to watch what happens at training camp, who wins some of these battles. But I like the schedule is going to be soft this year. They don't have to travel a lot. I mean, this is. 
this this is a prime year for the Ravens to really have a have a really good year. So fans should get excited, get involved early, learn about these players. It's, it's I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, tell folks where you, where they can find your stuff online. Yeah, so we got a podcast, The Situation Room, with my co-host Gabe Ferguson. You guys can find that at filmstudybaltimore.com. Um, we talk about we break down the games every week. We try we do a couple podcasts during the off season as well, um, just talking about X's and O's and kind of how some of that stuff makes a difference from a coaching or strategy perspective overall. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Raven Sit Room. My co-host at Gabe Fergie. Um, we're regularly talking Ravens football out there all the time. All right. Outstanding. Uh, other folks, if you want to come on, on a film study short this offseason, I'm always looking for talent. Anybody who's just got a wants to discuss football, wants to get excited, you're passionate like Jordan or maybe like Sarah or you're, you're deeply intellectual about some analytic topic, that's fine. Or you want to talk scheme and, you know, that you think the Ravens could do this and they never seem to. That's cool, too roster construction all those things are cool uh send me a dm on twitter dms are always open love to hear from you i'll get back to you very quickly on doing that kind of a program too if you if you'd like to jordan thanks again for coming on thanks for having me ken and we'll talk to you next time on film study This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.